morning and welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike and uh, this is my uh, first uh, episode or edition uh, since I guess the 1st of August or something like that. Maybe even the end of July. I've been on summer vacation and haven't had my normal drives <clears throat> out to the country. Uh, but I wanted to, yeah, just say hello again and uh, take up where we left off. We're coming up on our, <clears throat> what I believe to be our three-year anniversary sometime in October. I've now surpassed 100 episodes. Um, I seem to have a few listeners out there, and I'm grateful for you. If you're new to this podcast, you haven't don't know what what it's all about then you can uh, maybe go back to some of the uh, original episodes and uh, find some explanations although I do explain uh, explain it from time to time uh, but basically it's me off the cuff uh, off the cuff driving to work uh, for about 30 35 minutes uh, talking and, and kind of uh, stream of consciousness style thoughts on theological and spiritual things, and uh, sometimes I don't start there, but I usually try to end up there, so. Uh, so what's going on with me? Well, we are in the process of becoming empty nesters right now. Uh, we, the way we've kind of set up our, our daughter's education uh, is that it's happened very gradually, but it happens kind of earlier possibly than than uh, it otherwise might have happened uh, so our, our we have three daughters and from the oldest one to the youngest one there's about a 10-year gap and uh, the middle one's pretty much in the middle uh, not exactly in the middle but almost in the middle uh, and we send our we, we've been sending our daughters to boarding school uh, a couple hours away when they start high school. So they finish junior high school here in Japan and then they go to high school. And so we we, we lose them by about the age uh, 14 or 15. Um, and so, yeah, my, my 15 year old daughter has just started CAJ. Got to speak with her this morning. Uh, CAJ is Christian Academy in Japan, by the way. It's a interdenominational, I guess, evangelical, if that's not a contradiction in terms, uh, school that's that's in uh, western Tokyo, just outside of Tokyo, uh, that's all in, all, all, all in English, so it, it uh, gives the, my girls an opportunity to, to go deeper and farther with English than they've ever had the opportunity in Japanese schools, and it also gives them a foundation for and education uh, in Christianity, for better or for worse. Uh, I say for better or for worse because I, I think I think everything we learn has value, even when it's wrong. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying that CAJ teaches things that are wrong, uh, but more than likely, I, I would say in the last, you know. Uh, 
last 10 years or so that my daughters have attended that school. I guess it has been about 10, maybe more than 10, maybe more like 11 or 12. In the last 11 or 12 years that my daughters have attended that school, I'm sure that they have been taught something that I don't necessarily agree with at that time. Um, and that's okay. Sometimes I don't agree with myself later on when I think things over. Uh, and that's quite normal, right? That's, that's just fine. Uh, but I'm glad they're thinking about it. And, and I have a lot of respect for the people who they learn it from. And, you know, we're all on a journey. With Sorry, I got a phone call there from my daughter. I called her before. And, uh, she was still in asleep, as far as I know, when I left. But anyway, I didn't get a chance to touch base with her before I took off. So I wanted to give her a few details about the dog and stuff like that. Mundane stuff. Uh, so, man, where was I? I hate... I, this time I even repeated to myself... So I wouldn't forget where I was. Uh, so we were talking about CAJ and yeah, so, you know, even, even when you learn things that may not quite be right, you're still learning a lesson there, right? The process, the process of, of accepting information that, that may not be, uh, completely right. Uh, and and helping figure it out to where you have a better idea. That process is a learning process that doesn't just teach you information, it teaches you how to think. And I think that's, you know, as a, as a, as a teacher, uh, I can see that that's lacking uh, in our education system today. I wish we had more on the process of thinking, the process of, you know, rational thought, I guess, and I don't mean the, the rational movement of the Enlightenment or anything like that, but, uh, yeah, how, how to think and, and, and uh, discern, I guess, discernment is something you learn in that kind of a situation. And you also learn to, to take things uh, as a grain of salt, right? Uh, that when you hear something, you don't just buy into it completely. Uh, you say, hmm, I see what you're saying. And then you start the process of uh, vetting, is that a good word? Vetting that statement, uh, holding it up to scrutiny, uh, and then deciding whether or not you will adapt that belief or seek one that you feel is uh, more true, I guess. So anyway, we're, we're becoming empty nesters and, and uh, our last daughter is, is now off to CAJ. Our middle daughter is still at home for another, uh, I guess just a week, maybe 10 days. And then she's off to join her older sister in Hawaii. Uh, and so we will be, my wife and I, empty nesters for the first time in over 25 years. Uh, and yeah, that's gonna be, that's gonna be interesting. Uh, we do, however, have uh, my wife's elderly father uh, in the house as well. Um, we have a dog, and I think that'll that'll help maybe keep us busy and whatnot. Uh, 
but it's kind of a daunting thing. I mean, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm not at the same time. Like, I don't know what that's going to be like. Uh, I feel like I need to start courting my wife all over again. You know, uh, I would like to get to the point where we, again, are able to work on our relationship with each other as opposed to raising kids. And of course, raising kids is something we'll continue to do. We're, we're teachers after all. Um, and we have a lot of other people in and out of our lives, uh, both our, our brothers and sisters in Christ, many of them younger than us. Well, actually all of them, except one, I suppose, are younger than us right now. Uh, as, you know, considering the people who are actually in my life now. Um, but... Yeah, uh, <clears throat> it's kind of a scary thing, empty nest, right? Um, part of you wants to just hold on to them, and you can't bear the thought of letting them go. And part of you kind of wants to discover... Uh, your life again, <laughs> even though that's kind of scary. Um, but yeah, I suppose if if I had the if I had the choice, I would just keep all my daughters right here and keep them right here with me. Uh, I love them to death. Uh, I know they need to go out, and I know they'll be better for going out into the world and uh, learning for themselves about how things are and uh, <clears throat> I know it's better better for them that they go uh, it's kind of like Jesus when he said it's better for you that I go to my father right because unless I go the spirit will not come right the comforter the comforter will not come um, and so this process of relationship is really odd, right? At one point, relationship is all about being together physically and depending on each other. But a very important part of relationship is trusting in the process of physical separation as well. <clears throat> people come and people go, and that's, that's the way it kind of needs to be now, I think. This uh, corrupted world that we live in. I think that's just part of the process, as I understand it now. Uh, and that's kind of how I saw um, our situation when we decided to to step away from uh, traditional institutional church. Uh, when we decided to step away from there, we had been there about eighteen. 18 plus years and in my mind you know 18 years of being in a single congregation is more than enough time to prepare me and my family to step out and start experiencing the world in a new fresh way that in a sense we grew up in that congregation and then after 18 years we we left the nest Right? And the church became empty nesters, in a sense, which was hard on them. 
and they did not see it that way. They wanted uh, very much for us to stay. They wanted us to be there. They didn't want us to to go anywhere. That uh, that did not compute to them. They did not have a paradigm in which people leaving the congregation could be a positive and progressive thing. All they felt was the abandonment of the process. And it was a long process. It's not something we did right away. Uh, it was a very long, difficult process Process for us to step away from that. Um, it took a lot of time and a lot of prayer and a lot of hardships. Uh, but basically, um, the home was not, you know, if you want to call the, the congregation our home, the home was not any longer big enough to contain both our families. And I think it's similar to Abraham and Lot. You know, Lot's flock and Abraham's flocks had become so large that being together was no longer feasible. Uh, and that's a natural process, I think, in this world. That's why our, our children uh, leave the nest. You know, they, they get to the point where they are capable of making up their own minds, of, of using their own brains and experiences to make decisions. Not that they won't still fail, uh, but in some sense they need to have the opportunity to fail, right? They need for their parents not to be there every step of the way uh, helping them make decisions. They need to step out on their own. They need to they need, they need to fail and learn from their failures. And of course, you know, parents, we will always be there, right? We'll always be there to, to help out or to, to rescue them, if you will, or, or to do whatever, whatever we can uh, to help them learn from their mistakes and succeed again. Um, should they need us. Um, and that's difficult. It's difficult to stand alongside someone and watch them fail. It's very, very difficult. It's not pleasant at all. Uh, and so, you know, you, you have to be at a certain point of your faith where you realize that even though they were depending on you, that all the time anything good that ever happened to them was not because of you, but because of who their Lord was, right? And so there's a, there's a humility that's involved in letting kids go as well. Uh, and so I think to do it effectively and not selfishly, you know, if, if we're letting kids go for their own good, then I think to get to that point, you're going to have to have faith and humility uh, to do that. Otherwise, it's just, it's just selfishness. You know, I want my time back. You know, things will be cheaper. Uh, finally, they'll get their own job. They won't be spending my money. Um, you know, these kinds of things are selfish reasons to push kids out of the nest. 
and I hope and pray that this is this is not why I'm doing it. Um, <clears throat> but if the kids want to stay, I want them to stay on their own terms. I want them to want to stay. Uh, and I, I would prefer them to step out for a while and experience life uh, before, you know, perhaps coming back and working in a family business or things like that. I'm, I'm, I would love that. You know, I would love to, to work with my kids and see them take over what we've uh, put so many years of uh, sweat into. It would be great to be able to turn some of those things over to our kids. You know, but the other side of that faith, or another aspect of having that kind of faith, is that you have to decide, even if, you know, even if my kids don't come back and take over our business, it's okay. You know, it's fine. Things live and things die, and such is the way of the world until... Uh, Jesus comes again, right? Uh, and that's just that's just the way it is, right? That's the way things are for now. Um, and it is what it is, right? It is what it is. It's fine. Uh, I would like to get to the point where. love to be able to get to the point where when I'm with my loved ones I love on them unconditionally when I'm apart from them I have the faith that says even if I never see them again in this life we have eternity we have eternity to spend our lives together and that and that goes over to things so-called things as bucket lists right uh, there are a lot of people out there that have a bucket list. Like, I want to do this and this and this and this and this and this before I die. And if I don't, I won't feel like I've accomplished anything in this life. And more often than not, those things are quite irresponsibly selfish activities. Climbing Mount Everest or, uh, you know, meet a celebrity or, you know, whatever. Whatever it might be. Uh, travel the world or see the pyramids you know all of these things could be pretty cool things but it's all going to pale in comparison it all I don't, I, don't, I don't even think will be worth memorying, uh, memorying uh, remembering when we enter into Christ's glory uh, the things we will be able to see and experience uh, for all time will be so much greater, right? Uh, and and I think that's something we should try to remember that these uh, you know these things that we think we have to accomplish in order to be happy in this life really don't don't matter at all in the grand scheme of things. What, what does matter, uh, I would say number one, were you a part of the healing that Jesus is bringing to this world while you lived? 
Were you a part of the kingdom? Did you, did the kingdom progress in your context because you joined his work? Uh, did you take his healing to people? And related to that, uh, did you did you love people? Did, did you have great relationships with with the people uh, that the Lord led to you? Uh, and those kinds of those kinds of things uh, are what does matter in this life, right? Did you love? Uh, I've heard that said, you know, not by people who are talking necessarily about uh, spiritual things, but I've heard that kind of same sentiment said that, you know, at the end of the end of your life, when you're on your deathbed or whatever, you're not going to be worrying about whether you climbed Mount Everest or this or that or this and that, but you will, will be worried about relationships that might still be broken, you know, time not spent with family. Um, and so relationships, I think, uh, is a place where you can, uh, for lack of a better term, store up treasures in heaven, right? Take care of the people that God has, has, has uh, allowed or, or led to be a part of your life care of your wife and your children, your mother and your father, um, friends, certainly your church family, right? Uh, and in doing so, you actually, I think, um, in working in the kingdom, I think in some sense we usher the kingdom into the world. In other words, we we bring closer to fulfillment what the Lord is doing in the world. Right? What Jesus is doing in the world is done through people who are sold out to him. People who who have given up their lives and taken up their crosses to give all that they have so that people might be loved. Not so that you can go to heaven, but so heaven can come to earth. You know, that's a huge difference. Think about what you're doing for the Lord, <clears throat> be honest with yourself. Are you doing it so that you can go to heaven? Or are you doing it so that heaven can come to earth? Bringing relief and comfort and healing to suffering and hurting people is what the kingdom is all about. And those people are everywhere. Those people are you as well, let's not forget. Uh, and in doing so, you bring part of heaven to earth, right? You bring, you bring the reality of heaven, right? Which is 
perfection and wholeness, relationship and love, you bring that to earth. And in doing so, you are working toward Jesus's goal of bringing heaven to earth, right? Of restoring and reconciling the entire creation uh, to earth. Uh, and that's why we do it. It's not, it's not to go to heaven. Who even knows what that means anyway? It's such a weird statement in a lot of ways. Uh, I'm going to cut this one short, I think. Uh, this is going pretty well. It's only been about yeah, a few minutes. Um, but I think I want to have a little more time to explore what I'm talking about here. But I do want to be clear. I mean, I'm not, I'm not against climbing mountains and seeing the pyramids if, you know, if those opportunities arise, uh, you know, I would definitely take advantage of them. And it's not that I don't have things that I would love to do. Um, but I think I am going down a dark road when I start valuing my life by the things that I've done, right? That, that I only think that my life has had value if uh, I have accomplished certain, certain things that I wanted to do for myself. Uh, and to me, that's kind of what the bucket list is. Now, on the other hand, let's say you've got a dying friend and he has a bucket list. By all means, get in there and help him do that, you know? Because in doing so, you are helping to bring healing and hope uh, to him, right? You're, you're engaging in a relationship. If that's something that you feel uh, that is the best way that you can serve your friend, then yeah, you know, do what you can. I, I think uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation and all these things are great, uh, but they don't, you know, they don't replace people, right? They don't replace relationships. I think they're just meant to bring a little happiness and when you bring happiness to other people then then you are ushering in the kingdom of God right and I think that's of course that's a great thing it's a very good thing but when you're doing it just for yourself I think that's when we miss the point and that point is often missed to be honest so, uh, yeah, I'm not saying don't climb mountains. In fact, last uh, weekend I got to go uh, climb a couple peaks uh, with some very cool people. Uh, we went out on the first day, climbed two pretty good peaks, and then had a very long trek. I think that first day, all in all, was about 12 to 13, almost 13 kilometers of uh up and down, up and down, up and down. Very difficult hiking, the most difficult I've ever done in one day, for sure. Uh, and then we got to stay at a really nice, uh, remote, uh, 
Japanese style hotel, which is called the Ryokan. And they had a great, what's called a Lodembro, which is an outdoor hot spring uh, where you can sit uh, out in the view uh, and enjoy uh, the weather in very hot water, natural hot water, which boils from the uh, volcanic, um, I suppose, or seismic or whatever you want to call that, uh, activity under the ground. Uh, and I love climbing mountains. I love the I love the challenge of it. I love the camaraderie between hikers, not just the ones you're hiking with, but the ones you meet on the trail. I love seeing the the scope of nature. Uh, and I really like all of that. And so I'm all for that. Um, in fact, I think we should do more of that. But it, you know, we don't have to have it uh, in such a high place that. We feel if we don't ever do that, we we somehow don't have value in our life. You know that that's a, a ridiculous place to go. So I want to tell you uh, that you are valued. Um, you are valued because of who made you, uh, and He loves you completely uh, as much as anybody who's ever accomplished anything. He loves you. <clears throat> hard to believe, but God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. <laughs> that's, that's kind of hard to believe, but his love is that, I believe, his love is that absolute uh, and that all-encompassing. Um, so don't ever think that your value is greater just because you've done some cool stuff. You know, um, That's just good for bragging rights. And you're right back to foolishness of, and the selfishness of, of, you know, bragging, look what I've done, kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I want, to, I want you to know that you are valued and that, valued and that you are loved, and, and uh, until we talk again.